many are ready to learn the Christmas story? Can I hear a what, what? Woo! We got all of our little ones with us today. Joy to the world. This one is my little joy. She's going to be helping me preach today. You know, we believe in families at this church, and so we want to have all of our families be in the service. So thank you for coming and being a part of our family. And I remember at one time when I was young and single and ready to mingle, didn't have no ladies, no babies in my life, or no lady, singular. You know, I used to watch uh, churches do their family services, and I felt a little left out. But listen to me, even if you don't have a family of your own, you belong to a family. So let this remind you of what kind of family God wants you to have. And then as you grow up, somebody say, goals. God wants you to have the goals to have a wonderful family. And what's beautiful is we just got some good news about Alex and Maria Lay. They're expecting a baby. Let's give it up for them. So they are multiplying. That is so exciting. Don't get scared. Don't get scared. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down the Christmas story into basically two different videos. Is it okay if a baby cries? I'm okay. Uh, we're going to break it down into two videos. The first video is going to be the whole entire story of why Jesus came. Then the second video is going to be about Jesus' birth. Everybody go, get ready, get ready, get ready. So right in time for you to get a break. We're not going to watch the first one. Let's watch about the big story of why Jesus came. There's this crazy story at the beginning of the Bible. We have Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. And everything in this garden is great. It's exactly as it should be, except... There's this one tree that they're told by God not to eat from because it's dangerous and it will kill them. So that's it. Uh, avoid this fruit tree and we're fine. Right. It seems pretty simple. But in this garden, there's a snake. And it starts telling a different story. It says that if you eat of this tree, it's not going to kill you. In fact, it's going to make you become like God. And Adam and Eve, they believe the snake and they eat the fruit. And because of this, the goodness of the garden is tragically lost and evil and death enters into God's good world. Now, why is there a talking snake in the garden? I mean, this thing is a problem. Yeah, it's very strange. And even more strange is the fact that the Bible doesn't say why or how this thing even got there. It just presents the snake as this creature who's in rebellion against God and that wants to get other people to doubt God's goodness and lead them on a path towards death. And so whatever this snake is, it's the source of evil that pervades our world and our lives even still today. But there is some hope because right here in the story, God makes this really interesting promise to Adam and Eve. That someone is going to come in the future, a son of Eve. And this guy's going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. However, during this battle, the serpent is going to bite this guy's heel. So it's like a mutual destruction. Yeah, it's this very strange but beautiful promise. And it's just left hanging there until the next key moment in the story when God singles out this guy named Abraham and says that through his family, goodness and blessing is going to be restored back to all of the nations of the world. And as we follow this family, we get to one of Abraham's great grandsons, this guy named Judah. And he receives this promise that a king is going to come from his line and that the whole world's going to follow this king and he's going to bring peace and harmony and there'll be lots of food and wine and milk and vineyards and it's going to be awesome. The first king that we meet from the line of Judah is a guy named King David. And he's a hero. Maybe he is the snake crusher. But it turns out that David is infected with the same evil as the rest of humanity. He never crushes the snake, just the opposite. However, 
God makes a promise to David that this king is going to eventually come from his line. But as you go on in the story, one by one, each generation of his sons, they're just total chumps. They give in to the snake, they choose evil, they go after money and sex and power and following other gods. Things get so bad that they run the nation of Israel right into the ground, and the big bad empire of Babylon just takes them out. And so now there are no more kings to even fulfill this promise. So it seems like the whole plan is lost. But during these dark days, there's this crazy group of guys called prophets. And they just kept talking about this coming king and reminding us of the promise that he'll come, he'll defeat evil, he'll restore the garden. Now, one specific prophet, Isaiah, he tells us more about why this king is bitten. Isaiah says that the promised king receives this wound because of humanity's evil, and that it kills him. But then all of a sudden he comes back, and Isaiah says it's because he suffered this wound that he can now become a source of healing to other people. But the Old Testament ends, and the snake-crushing king that everyone's been talking about never shows up. And this is why, when the New Testament begins, it introduces us to Jesus of Nazareth, not as some random guy, but as someone who comes to fulfill these specific ancient promises. Yeah, we learn that he's from the line of David, Judah, and Abraham. And he goes around Israel announcing that the goodness of God's kingdom is here now. And he begins confronting the effects of evil on people by healing them, by forgiving them of their sins and evil. Many people are now believing that this is, in fact, the promised king. But Jesus began telling his closest followers that he was going to become king and bring peace by taking the full effect of humanity's evil into himself. The fatal snake bite wound. Exactly. And so it seems like the serpent wins. And this story actually would be a tragedy except for what happens next. Jesus rises from the dead. And now Jesus has the power over evil and death for himself. And so the rest of the New Testament is then making this claim that Jesus's power over evil and death has now become available to us to begin confronting the effects of evil in our lives. But even still, death and evil are a real problem in our world all around us. And so the story of the Bible ends by describing this future day when Jesus comes back and he finishes the job. He destroys the snake once and for all and he restores the goodness of the garden here on earth. Everybody say, go Jesus, go Jesus, go! One more time. Go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Go. Woo! Now, look, it. we're going to have a little contest. We're going to see who can make more noise, this side or this side, okay? When I say Jesus, y'all say Christ saying Jesus. Jesus. All right, all right. Y'all going to do better than that? Y'all better come correct, Steve. When I say holy, y'all say go saying holy. Holy. Woo! Who got it? Ah, uh, that was close. I won't call it. I'll just say it was a tie. But look at the Bible, John 1.1. It talks about the Jesus before the virgin birth. Now, if you don't know what the word virgin means, kids, talk to your parents when you get home. But this is very important to understand. Jesus did not start existing when he came into the manger. Just like when you put on clothes this morning, you didn't start existing, but you put on clothes so you could present yourself today to be with everybody. Jesus existed forever in heaven. And 
and then put on flesh to be with us on earth. See, even a lot of adults don't know that. A lot of times people think Jesus was born, literally created on that day. But look at what John 1.1 says. It says, in the beginning was the Word. That's another name for Jesus. Who else can we call Jesus? Everybody say the Word. Okay, so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was the Word with God in the beginning? Was Jesus there? Okay, so who are our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents? What were their names? Adam and Eve. So was Jesus there with Adam and Eve? Yes, let's keep going. Through him, talking about Jesus, all things were made. Everybody say all. A-L-L spells what? All. Thank you. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So everybody listen. There's not many human races. There's only one human race, and we all come from Adam and Eve. And guess whose image we were made in? Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? So when we learn in this next movie we're about ready to watch about Jesus coming in a manger and doing all of these wonderful things, you know why he's doing that? Because we sinned in the garden when he made us in his image to live with him forever in paradise. So that shows you how awesome Jesus is. So when you see Jesus in a manger, don't just think of like a little baby. Think of your God, God the Son, coming in the flesh to die on the cross for your sins. And so that's why it says in him was life, and that was the light of all mankind. Touch your neighbor, tap him or bump him and say, are you alive today? You up today? Come on, let's go to the next verse. Thank you. It says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Has anybody here ever been afraid of darkness? Any of you guys ever been afraid of the dark? I used to be afraid of the dark, and guess what? When you turn on the light, does the the darkness stay or does it run away? It runs away. Even to this day, evil cannot overcome good. Good overcomes evil. And so guess what? When we see in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, watch this. Jesus is the light of the world. Do you know that when he said, let there be light, that was before there was a sun? How was there light if there was no sun? Jesus was the light. And then Jesus created the sun, and Jesus created everything else. And when we sinned and brought darkness on the earth, Jesus said, I'm going to come back to this earth as a man, fully God, fully man, and split the darkness and show the light always wins. Are y'all ready for this? Because when we watch this from the book of Luke, this next video, and it talks about Jesus in a manger, don't just think of like, oh, little baby Jesus, like you see in these movies. No, think about light coming into darkness. And because he died on the cross for our sins, rose again like the video showed us, we can have light conquer darkness in our heart. That's why when I was a high school dropout at 18 years old, thinking I was a tough guy doing drugs, tore up from the floor up, needing to check up from the neck up, you heard me? Jesus came in as light and took away the darkness. I didn't need 12 steps, I needed one step. How many of y'all hearts have been set on fire by Jesus? How many of you have had the light of Christ come in and push away the darkness? So you all ready for the next video? Everybody tell your neighbor, get ready for this. Thank you. Let's watch it. The Gospel of Luke. Luke investigated many of the earliest eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus and then composed this account. And the story begins up the place where Israel's ancient prophets said that God himself would come one day to establish his kingdom over all the earth. 
In this city is the temple run by the priests. And one of them, named Zechariah, was working in the temple when he had a vision that freaks him out. An angel appears and says that he and his wife will have a son. What's this all about? Well, Zechariah and his wife, we're told, are very old. They've never been able to have children. And Luke's setting up a parallel here with Abraham and Sarah, the great ancestors of Israel, because they too were very old and could never have kids. Yet God gave them a son, Isaac, which is how the whole story of Israel began. And so Luke's implying here that God's about to do something that significant for this people once again. The angel tells Zechariah to name the son John. And then he says that this son's going to fulfill a promise of Israel's ancient prophets, that somebody would come one day to prepare Israel to meet their God when he arrived to rule in Jerusalem. Because right now, Jerusalem is ruled by the Romans. Yeah, specifically, it's governed by a man named Herod, who's a puppet king under the Roman Empire. And so the Jewish people wanted nothing more than to be free and govern themselves in their own land. So this is shocking news. Everything's going to change. God's on his way. But how is he going to arrive? Well, to find out, Luke takes us out of Jerusalem and then up into a small town in the hills of an out-of-the-way region called Galilee. There we find a young woman named Mariam, or we call her Mary. She was engaged to be married. And then an angel appears to Mary, saying that she's going to have a son. She's supposed to name him Jesus, which in Hebrew means the Lord saves. And he will be a king like David, who will rule over God's people forever. And then Mary asks, okay, well, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. And she's told that the same Holy Spirit that brought life and light out of darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is going to generate life inside her womb. God is about to bind himself to humanity through the conception and the birth of the Messiah. And so Mary goes from some backwoods no-name girl to the future mother of the king? Exactly. In fact, she sings a song about how this reversal of her own social status points to a greater upheaval to come. Through her son, God's going to bring down rulers from their thrones and exalt the poor and the humble. He's going to turn the whole world order upside down. So when Mary was really pregnant, she and her fiancé, Joseph, had to go down to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a decree across the Roman Empire about new taxes, and so everybody had to go get registered in the town of their family line. There were so many visitors in Bethlehem, they can't find a guest room. And so the only place they can find is a spot where animals sleep. Now nearby were some shepherds with their flocks, and an angel appears, which, of course, freaks them out. But they're told to celebrate because tonight in Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Yeah, they're told to go and find this baby, and they'll know that it's the Messiah because he's going to be wrapped up and laying in a grimy feeding trough. Yeah, which is pretty gross. Totally. And then these shepherds, who aren't very clean themselves, they go and find the newborn Jesus in this really dingy place, and their minds are blown. They go home wondering what on earth is about to happen. And this is all really strange. I mean, if God's really coming to save the world, this isn't how you would expect him to arrive. Born in an animal shelter to a teenage girl, celebrated by no-name shepherds. Exactly. I mean, everything is backwards in Luke's story, and that's the point. He is showing how God's kingdom was first revealed in these dirty places among the poor, because Jesus is here to bring salvation by turning our world order upside down.
See, when we think about Jesus now coming in that manger, we think about light coming into darkness. And so here's the idea that all of us Christians are supposed to have today is that Jesus loved me enough to come and die on the cross for me that he can live in my heart and turn the darkness into light. I want you to look at this scripture. It says, she will give birth to a son. Who's the one giving birth to a son? What's her name? Mary, so the Virgin Mary's giving birth to a son. Now see the Trinity, because our God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sends the Spirit to come upon Mary, and Mary then houses in her body the Son of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Bob. Is that what it says? You are to give him the name Michelangelo. What does it say? You are to give him the name Jesus. And that name Jesus means the Lord saves. Yahshua. Everybody say Yahshua. That's in the Hebrew language, Yahshua. Now watch this. Because he will save his people from their sins. Who's Jesus' people? If we go all the way back, it's the human race, isn't it? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Look at your neighbor and say, you're God's people. You are God's people. So here's the deal. I want young and old. I know many of you come to church. You'll be here next week. But I want to make sure that young and old alike, we understand the reason for the season is Jesus, and the reason why Jesus came was to take away our sins, and that's not a fairy tale. As a matter of fact, that's the greatest news you could ever hear. That's why we call it the gospel. It means the good news. I want to see if my children got the message before we close out today. So I'm going to ask Hannah, Bethany, Lucas, and Zoe to come up quickly. Let's give it up as my niños and niñas come. Hallelujah. Let's start from youngest to oldest. So, Lucas, you come next to here, and then Hannah, you guys got it. Okay, so let's see if little three-year-old Zoe got the lesson, because that's my goal. So, Zoe, where does Jesus live? In your heart. In your heart. And what did he do for you on the cross? Die for our sins. Oh, that's awesome. And what did he do on the third day? He rose from the dead. Woo! Yeah! So she understands it. That's awesome. Okay, now, Lucas... We Just stand right there, buddy. Now, we want to talk about who our God is. What does the word Trinity mean? Three in one. Wow, so God is three in one. And who is the Trinity? God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Amen. Let's give it up for Lucas. Hey, oh, you want to come up now? You did so good in the first service. You cried a little bit in the second. Lucas, stay right where you are, buddy. Okay, now it gets a little bit harder. Now, our God is not just like any God. It's not like a pagan God or a Thor or a superhero kind of God. Our God is a distinct God. So let's learn about the attributes of God. What does the word attribute mean, Hannah? Um, quality. Okay, what are the three qualities that make God God? God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere. Woo, let's give it up for Hannah. She got it. Now, some of you might think, well, I know all of those things, Pastor. Well, let's see if you know the greatest lesson we learned today. Bethany, what is the hypostatic union? Jesus has two natures. He is God in the flesh. Woo, let's give it up for Bethany. Because Jesus, our great God, who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere, came to die on the cross for us. Fully man, fully God. Let's give it up for him one more time. Thank you. You can be seated, little buddy. Thank you. You can be seated, or you can stand here. It's up to you. So here's the deal. I'm going to ask that Rachel would come and some of our prayer workers now with their children because we're going to end out today early so you can be with your family. But here's what we want everyone to know is that Jesus loves you. 
He came to save you, and he wants to bring light into your heart and remove the darkness. And so how do we get rid of our sins? We repent and ask Jesus for forgiveness. Do you think you know what sins are? How many people know what sins are? Can I get an amen? Amen. Uh, Hannah, give me an example of what a sin is. Um, lying. Lying is a sin. That's right. Do you know what a sin is, Zoe? What do you do that gets in trouble? What kind of things do you do that get you in trouble at home? Get a spanking. Yeah, but what do you do to get a spanking? lose your treat when you don't obey mommy and daddy. You know, that's one of the commandments, isn't it? Obey your parents. Thou shall not lie. Bethany, Lucas, come up here real quick. Let's see if we can come up with more. Uh, what are sins that people should say they're sorry for? Lying. Stealing. Stealing. That's right. Taking things that belong to us. You know, adults do that all the time, don't they? Using wrong social security numbers. That doesn't belong to you. Hey. Coming in late, but you said you got there on time. Hey, come on. Borrowing stuff from your friends and not giving it back. What's another sin? And you better say the one I see you doing with your sisters all the time. What is it? Hitting. That's right, hitting. The Bible said thou shalt not murder. And the Bible talks about even anger and cursing. Those things are just as equal as murder. So I think we know what sins are, don't we? We need to repent. And what it means to repent is to say we're sorry to ask Jesus to wash us and to cleanse us. So let's all stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song now about Jesus cleansing us from our sins. And if you want to come up, no matter who you are, with your kids or your family or just one of your friends, we'll love to pray for you to have forgiveness today to know Jesus. But let's pray first. Father, before we dismiss, we ask that everyone here would know you personally as their Lord and Savior, that they would live for you and love you, they would repent of their sins, and you would wash them clean in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's sing before we dismiss. And if you want to come for prayer, just come so now as Rachel sings. in just a moment but if you want prayer for forgiveness just come on up and families feel free to talk to your parents uh, your children to make sure they know what it means to be born again or if you came with a friend ask them for the rest of us come on let's worship chance for those who want prayer to come. What can wash away my sin?
Let's pray together, then we'll dismiss. We have a hot chocolate bar for you to enjoy with your friends and family. But as we get ready to pray to dismiss, if you need prayer for anything at the end of this service, please come up and let us pray for you and your family. We want to believe God that he's still able to bring light into darkness. Lord, we ask you to bless our families today. May we be reminded that you're the reason for the season. You came in the flesh to show us how much you love us so that you could die for us. Change our lives. Give us a hope in a future even when we look around and are discouraged. You never let us down. May we be blessed this weekend and this holiday season. May we spend time with our friends and family. And those today who may be hurting, may they receive your love, your blessing, your, your, your joy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Slap your neighbor high five and say he loves me. God bless you. Yes, he does. You are dismissed. Enjoy our hot chocolate bar. If you need prayer, come on up. Enjoy the holidays. We'll keep worshiping as you go. God bless you.